Good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. It is so great to be with you guys this morning. I was very excited when Tim uh, told me, not asked me, that I was going to be speaking this week. So I am ready to go. Uh, before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to our Crosswalk Clinton campus because they're meeting weekly again, which is so exciting. And Pastor Tim is actually over there. And uh, we're just so excited for them. So if you guys are watching right now online, we love you. We're so happy for you. And we know that God is working in and through your community. So we have been going through a uh, series called, uh, what's it called? Contrast. There it is. We've been going through a series called Contrast. And it's all about the book of Galatians. And it's been super fun. Have you guys enjoyed it these last couple weeks? Yeah? Yes. I enjoy series that actually travel through books. And the main argument being made in Galatians, now there's a couple arguments, but the main thing is Paul is trying to make sure that the gospel remains the same. There is a group of people called the Judaizers, and what they're trying to do is make the gospel more Jewish. So what they're doing is they're taking the gospel and saying, yes, this is what saves you and also Yes, Jesus is your savior, but also you must. And they're adding to the gospel. And what Paul does in six short chapters is remind the church in Galatia that we are saved by Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. We are given new life. And that is something beautiful that we can hold on to today. And I want to continue this conversation this week. And I want to start by pointing out something that we all kind of know, but I want to put language to it. In somewhere... Uh, form or another, we all know that our choices matter. That what we choose to do actually impacts our lives. In other words, we have the ability to choose and intentionally create our future. Humanity has this ability that no other species on earth has. We have the ability to intentionally choose, to int intentionally create our future. And while the future will always remain a mystery to a certain extent, what we know is that if we choose intentionally today, that will actually impact tomorrow. And we know this because we tell our kids this all the time. Do well in school so you could get into a good college. Do well in college so that you could get into a good career. And what we know is that what we choose today really does impact tomorrow. But what I've found to be true in my life is that I don't always make the right decisions. I don't always choose to live for my future. In fact, more often than not, I found myself living for today. Because what is happening today can often be more comforting because you don't have to wait for tomorrow. For example, uh, I want to take us back to 2014. And uh, I was a, about to be a senior in high school. This was the summer before my senior year in high school. I was uh, I had just gotten my license. I was able to drive. And my dad was tired of letting me use his car. So he presented me with this amazing opportunity to get my own car. And, you know, as soon as I heard that, I got so excited, right? And, and I got excited because I knew exactly what I wanted. Now, during this time in high school, all of my friends loved to off-road. All of them had some kind of off-road vehicle, FJ Cruiser, uh, Tacoma trucks, Jeeps, right? So uh, when it came time for me to get my own car, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted a Jeep Wrangler. So I scoured the internet looking for the best deals. You know, Craigslist every single day trying to find uh, the right deals. And 
I didn't just want a good price. I wanted it to be kind of nice. You know, I wanted to have like some kind of lift kit on it. You know, I was excited about it. So every day just checking Craigslist until finally I found a really good deal. It was within our price range. It was a 2000 two-door sport uh, Jeep Wrangler. It was gray. It was beautiful. Uh, it only had 12,000 miles on it, which was incredible. The guy just stopped driving it, I guess, and uh, showed it to my dad. And, he, you know, we made uh, a phone call to the guy. and We went out to meet him. Very nice guy just, you know, was telling us that he's just left it in the garage for the past couple years and he just didn't want it to go to waste. So he decided to sell it. I got to test drive it. It felt incredible. You know, the price was right. So all the whole drive back home, I'm just talking to my dad, right? Just like, dude, how great was this Jeep? And, you know, my dad was geeking out with me. He's like, I know, like, this Jeep is so cool. And, you know, we're, the whole time I'm like, so we're going to get it, right? Like, we're going to buy it. We're going to get it. Like, this is the one, right? And uh, he's like, yes, yes, but just wait. So we got home that night, and my dad talked to my mom. And that night, they made the decision to get me my first car. And I was so excited. Next day, we go out and we meet the guy, you know, and I'm driving home now in the evening time in my first car. And it felt incredible, like amazing. Like, let me paint the picture. It's like a movie. You know, sun is setting, uh, purple sky, you know. Uh, windows are down, one hand on the wheel, one hand out, listening to music. I, I just felt amazing, right? And I'm driving home. As soon as I get there, I text all my friends like, yo, I just got my Jeep. Here's the picture. We're going off-roading tomorrow. They all text back, bet. Like, that's so dope. Like, cool. So next night, or that night, go to sleep. Could hardly sleep. So excited, you know. Morning comes. I, you know, get up, get dressed, run down the stairs, and I'm about to leave to go out for, like, this exciting day when my dad stops me. And he goes, Andy, Andy, wait, wait. Dude, I know that you're excited. I know that you're, ha you're, you're really happy, but listen, be safe, make wise choices, and do not crash your Jeep. Now, I'm sitting there. You know, jogging place basically because I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, Dad, like, of course. Why would I crash my Jeep? Like, I'm going to take care of it. Cool. You got it, Dad. He's like, all right, bro, go out, have fun. So, you know, I leave, get in my Jeep, take off to my friend's house. And we get to his house and, you know, my Jeep had this cool feature. You could take off the roof of it. So we all took off the roof of my Jeep. And, you know, within the hour, we are out and we are off-roading in the hills of Marino Valley. And we just spent hours out there just doing donuts, climbing up on rocks, like just doing stuff like that, having the time of my life. Because this was a big moment because up until that point, I had only ridden with my friends in the car or occasionally driven when they gave me the opportunity. But now I could drive my own Jeep. So I was just having the time of my life. A couple hours passed and we decided to go home for lunch. And as we're leaving this canyon, uh, my friend is in front of me, I'm behind him, and my friend begins speeding up towards this corner. Now, there's this turn that we have to take, and what I've known to be true, because, you know, I had just gotten my license, and just, you know, as a safe driver, you know, like, when a turn is coming up, you normally want to, you know, slow down so that nothing happens. My friend decides to speed up towards the corner, and I'm thinking, like, what is he going to do? And then he does something that I had not even thought of doing yet. My friend begins to drift his truck. 
And immediately I knew I wanted to do that. <laughs> now, some backstory, context. Never drifted a day in my life. Like the most knowledge I knew on drifting was Fast and Furious, right? And that's a movie. So I didn't know what to do. But, you know, I've seen movies, you know, how hard can it really be? You know, you just, you know, do one of these, right? Just, you just go that. And I'm like, how hard can it be? Uh, so I start, you know, making it towards this turn. And for a brief moment, I have this thought, like, maybe I should practice in a less risky situation. Then, you know, my brain is just like, nah, throws that out, pedal to the metal, baby. And I just, like, start speeding up toward this corner. And again, like, I didn't know exactly what to do, but how hard can it be? So I just, you know, did one of these. I just go, Wah. and to my surprise and excitement, I began to drift my Jeep. Slowly, I began to feel the, the, the tug on the back of my Jeep. I felt the traction on my tires begin to loosen. And I could see the dirt being kicked up behind me. And I felt amazing. Like, I had never experienced drifting car in my life. But it felt good. Like, I felt like I was in Fast and Furious. Call me Dom Toretto. Like, I felt, <laughs> I felt good. So I'm here in this turn, just being a boss, you know. And uh, as I'm turning... I don't realize that the trajectory of my Jeep is actually heading towards this wall, giant dirt wall to my left. And I'm so focused on the turn that I don't realize this. And by the time I see that my trajectory is going towards this wall, it's too late. And I try to correct, but I know that I'm not going to make it. So I just realize I just got to brace for impact. So I just, you know, hold the wheel and... I just smack into the wall, just boom, smashed. And, you know, I hit the wall so hard that my Jeep is, like, bouncing in place. It uh, got, I hit it at an angle, but my car literally got thrown perpendicular to the wall. And I'm just, like, in shock at what just happened. And, you know, I get out of my car and I fall on the floor. I wasn't hurt. I was just dramatic. So, like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I get out of the car and I'm just sitting on the floor with my hands on my head and... You know, my friend, I'm you know, thinking about through his perspective, he just saw me crash in his rearview mirror, right? So he's probably freaking out. So he gets out of his car and he comes running towards me. And I'm there just hand on my head, just like freaking out. And he's like, dude, are you okay? Like, are you hurt? Like, what's going on? And the only thought going through my mind was, oh, my goodness, my dad is going to be so mad. Like, he's going to be so angry at me. So I'm sitting there just freaking out. Like the one thing he told me not to do, I did. He told me specifically not to crash my car, which you should know. And I did it. So I was like upset, sad. Then I have like the smallest glimmer of hope. I think maybe my Jeep is fine. <laughs> and I never have to tell my dad about this ever again in my life, right? I never have to mention it to him. So <laughs> through like the smallest little glimmer of hope, I get back in my Jeep you know, and I back it up, do the three-point turn, two-point turn, and I go forward. And I'm like, why does something feel so weird? And as I'm going straight, I look down at my steering wheel, and it is completely turned upside down. Which, later I found out gearbox, front axle, I have no idea what that means. I'm not the car guy. Like, that's not me. What I do know is that it was broken for sure. So uh, <laughs> I was like, dang it, I'm going to have to tell my dad. So I make it to my friend's house. And I pick up the phone and I'm here like thinking just like, how is this conversation going to go? And, you know, I'm going to call my dad. He's going to answer all excited, of course, like, hey, Andy, how's the Jeep? 
how's the suspension? And I'm going to be like, oh, you know, Dad, it's suspended. Like, <laughs> and then it just all goes downhill from there. Like, there's no way this conversation was going to go well. Uh, but I had to have it, right? So I called him, you know, answers. And as soon as he picks up, it just, like, crushed me because he had so much excitement, right? He's like, hey, Andy, what's up? Because it's not even on his mind that I crashed, right? And he goes, hey, what's up? And I have to, through remorse and regret, just, like, admit it. I just go, Dad, I crashed my Jeep. And then there was just silence for about like six or seven seconds. And then he goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm okay. Can you make it home? I think so. All right, come home. Boop. Hangs up the phone. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like you just know when you made a mistake, right? You just know you messed up, especially with your parents. And probably the worst thing is like when they're like, we're not angry. We're just disappointed. Like that's the, that's the knife, right? That's the, that's the real thing. And I just knew that's what was coming. So I get to the house. We have to put the roof back on my Jeep. And I drive home. And mind you, I have no idea how I made it home. Like, literally, I could not turn right. So, like, I got lucky because all the turns were left. <laughs> there is one turn that was right. And I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, listen, I'm not exaggerating. 14-point turn. Like, literally, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I apologize. Like, literally, over and over. That was the only right turn. I got so lucky. All the, the turns on the way home was, were left turns after that. I get home, park outside. You know, my dad meets me. He's like, hey, go inside. I'll talk to you in a moment. So I go inside and, you know, I look out the window and my dad's there looking underneath the hood, you know, or under the truck. He gets up, dusts his hands off. He just shakes his head. I'm like, oh, I could feel the disappointment already, you know. So, you know, it was not a fun conversation, obviously. Uh, it was very emotional. Like, why did you do that? What were you thinking? And like, I know I wasn't. Dom Toretto, dad, you know, you get it. Um, and, you know, crash my Jeep. Now, I'll t finish the story later, but uh, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I want to, you know, point something out that in some way or another we all relate to. In that moment, as a high schooler, I didn't think through all of the options, right? I didn't think, like, how is this going to affect me either positively or negatively, right? And, well, I probably said positively, like, I'll be a boss, like, that'll be a big plus. But I didn't think about the negative part, and as a result, I crashed my Jeep, and what I've found is that in my life still, and maybe you can relate to this, we consistently have to choose our, if we are going to live for the momentary, right, the things that feel good right now, or are we going to choose to live for the future, for tomorrow? Are we going to be intentional with our choices, or are we going to choose to live for what feels good right now? Now, we all experience this. In fact, Scripture has language for this. So today we're in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul puts it this way. This is verse 16. He says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19, and this is always so fun to read, right? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, 
quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. If you relate, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, we see a really big contrast here, right? There is our sinful nature and then there is the Holy Spirit. And what's very clear is that these two things don't mix and they don't work together. If our sinful nature is going this way, then the Holy Spirit is going this way. And Paul is very clear. The Holy Spirit is opposite to our sinful nature. Now, what I find so interesting is the language that Paul uses to describe both of these things. For our sinful nature, he makes it as close to our core as possible. He says this is often where we make decisions, the immediate, what is natural to us, what we choose to do. And when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he actually uses the language of fruit. Now, what we know about fruit is that fruit takes time. You can't plant a tree overnight and expect the next morning for there to be fruit. No, we know that if you want to see fruit produced, it takes time. It happens in seasons. And in the scripture, we see this picture, the immediate and the waiting. Right now and tomorrow, the present and the future. And Paul calls us to live according to the Spirit. And to live according to the Spirit is to live for the future, not the momentary and not the immediate. And today what I want to talk about as we, you know, continue this series is how to live in the Spirit. How to see the fruits of the Spirit produced in our lives. How to see the move of God in our lives. And to do that, I want to talk about fruit. Now, I love fruit, uh, mango, love mango, chamoy, all that good stuff. Let's go. I love fruit. Now, what I know about fruit is that fruit takes time to make or to grow. Like you can't expect fruit like that. In fact, you have to plant seasons in advance and you have to make sure that each plant or each tree has the right things, has the right ingredients. There are three basic components that every plant needs on earth. It needs good soil. It needs water and it needs sunlight. Now, I'm not a botanist or a scientist, and we're going to talk about certain things. And uh, don't, this is not science class, this is Bible class, right? So if I get it wrong a little bit, there's grace for that, please. Uh, but what I do know is that there are three basic components to growing something you need soil, water, and sunlight. And I want to talk about why our souls also need these things. So a plant needs soil. Now, the reason why a plant needs soil is because it needs nutrients. And you don't need just any soil, you need good soil. So when you plant a tree or a plant into the ground, you have to make sure that it's being planted into good soil. 
with good nutrients. Because if it doesn't have good nutrients for the plant, then the plant isn't going to grow and the plant will not produce fruit. Now, I found this to be true in our lives. You see, if we are not planted in the right community, in a community that has good nutrients, then we will fail to see fruit grow in our lives. If we are not rooted in a community that is good or that has the right intentions for us, then we will always continuously fail to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives. We need good community. Now, there's a saying, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Or, you know, nuance, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We say this because we know that the people who are around us actually impact us and change us. And what I found to be true is that if I'm not surrounded by people who are actively pursuing the fruits of the Spirit, I probably won't develop them. And what I have found to be true in my life is that if I want to grow closer to God and if I want to grow the fruits of the Spirit, then I have to be intentional with my choice of my community. Am I planted in a community that is actually going to grow me? You see, we will only grow as much as our community allows us to grow. So the first thing that we need is good community. If you want to see the fruits of the Spirit, we have to choose to pick good community. The second thing that a plant needs is water. Now, every living thing on earth needs water. Water is one of the most essential resources on this planet. And for plants, it's the same thing. You see, what water does in a plant is it soaks up all the nutrients from the soil and it transports it around the plant. So what I found to be true, and what, what science is telling us is that you could have the best soil in the ground, but if you don't have the water to transport it where it needs to go, then it will be for nothing. You see, what I found to be true is that in our lives, we could have the best community in the world, but if we don't have discipline then we will fail to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You see, what we need is discipline. Now, it's not a fun word because nobody is like, yeah, discipline, right? Like, that's never the thing. But what I found to be true is that the moments that I feel the lowest often are the moments where I'm the least disciplined. And let me speak out of, you know, I graduated college a year and a half ago. This is me back then. I remember all the time I was thinking, I wish that I could just play video games all day instead of class, right? Then the pandemic hit, right? Then I did that, and I decided I'm just going to, you know, be on Zoom, class right there, game. End of the day, I'm not kidding, I felt terrible. I felt terrible because I thought it was going to be fun, but really I was just being mindless the whole time. What I found is that our lives naturally crave discipline. We crave routine. We crave something solid. And if we want to see the fruit of the Spirit produce in our lives, then we have to be disciplined in the fruits of the Spirit. And what I mean is how can we expect to grow love if we don't choose to be disciplined in love? How can we expect to grow self-control if we are not disciplined in self-control? You see, the first or the second step to growing the fruits of the Spirit is choosing to be disciplined in the fruits of the Spirit. Choosing to live in love. Choosing to live in self-control and kindness. And I'm telling you, if you are looking to grow love but you are growing hate, you will just continue to see hate grown. If you are trying to grow self-control but you are continuously choosing the momentary, you won't see self-control grown. The second thing that we need is water. We need discipline. We need to be able to take what we have and do something with it. Are you hearing me? Third thing that a plant needs is sunlight. 
Now, uh, this is like this definite area that I don't know all the science behind it, but what, from what I understand from reading on Google is that what sunlight does is take the nutrients from, you know, the ground that's soaked up from the water that's now in the, you know, plant, in the chlorophyll, and it creates a chemical reaction. And this chemical reaction produces energy for the plant. So the way that the plant feeds is through the sun. The, the plant needs the sun. What I found in our lives is that if we don't have the right source of power, then we could have all of, you know, the good community in the world, but it won't mean anything. We could have all of the discipline in the world, but it won't mean anything if we don't have the right source. And what I have found is the only source that is powerful enough to catalyze us and to move us towards real change is love. You see, the way that God chose to define himself and move amongst the earth is in love. And what I found is that if I want to grow love, if I want to be growing in the fruits of the Spirit, I have to understand and accept the love of Jesus. Amen. Now, here's how, how important this is. In Galatians chapter 5, right before the verses that we just read, Paul says this. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The words of Jesus now, John 13, 34, Jesus says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. This is what, what's read at almost every wedding, right? I want us to lean into this because this is, this is the heart of the gospel, right? If we have discipline or if we have good community, it's great, but... If we don't have love, it, it's nothing. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and could fathom all, I just lost my place. If I had the gift of prophecy and possessed all knowledge, and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love each other, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never, love never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking an unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I know everything completely just as God knows me completely. And these three things remain, 
faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You see, the source of our energy has to be love. You see, what opens up the door to meaning is love. What opens up the door to life is love. And we can't downplay this. We can't have love be a simple side piece. We have to understand that love is the main course. Love is the thing that God has chosen to do. The way that humanity has been saved, the way that God has chosen to act is in love. Now what I also understand is that sometimes it's actually easier to love other people than it is to love ourselves. And for whatever reason, often there's this block between us and our ability to love. And we'll hear messages of grace, but we won't truly accept it. I just want to finish my story from earlier really quick. Uh, so I crashed my Jeep, that whole thing, it's crazy. Went to Costa Rica for a mission trip, right? And had a great time there. And I hadn't fully finished the conversation with my dad during the time. And I came back and I had this whole thing that I was gonna say to him, like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, you know. I apologize, like I see the sacrifice, all these things. And I get to my dad and I'm like ready to tell him all these things. And my dad, before anything, he goes, Andy, I fixed your Jeep. Now, it's amazing that he did that, but what I really want to lean into today is the reality is that I didn't deserve my Jeep being fixed. Because obviously I didn't prove to him, my actions didn't show to him that I deserved my Jeep to be fixed, but because my dad loved me, he fixed my Jeep. And what I want you to know today is that in your life, what you have to understand is that God's love for you and God's grace for you is not based on your merit, your ability to get things right or get things wrong. God's love for you is yours. The same way that a parent loves their child is the same way that the father loves you. And today, if you are struggling with not forgiving yourself, not accepting yourself and not being moved by love, I want to pray a special prayer over you that you would let go of the past and that you would step into God's future that is defined by love. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for every person in this room, Lord. Lord, I pray a very special blessing over every person in this room, but especially the person in here that feels the furthest from you. Lord, I know the grips of shame. I know the grips of feeling unloved, Lord. And today I pray that they would know that they are being called into a better life, Jesus that you are taking the reins of their lives and putting it back in their hands and that they have the power to choose a better future. And I pray that that future would begin not by simply community or simply discipline, but the life source would be love, Jesus. So we love you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship one more time together.